Hi friend! Welcome to episode 31 of Sally's Performing Arts Lab podcast. Today, playwright director and my daughter, Emily Adams and I will go over the soon-to-be-available part two of your creator's notebook, Scheduling Your Show. We may also be joined by Em's fiancé, Beckett Adelman, who has a lot of experience as a stage manager, costumer, actor, and theater groupie. Every week, I talk to people about creating original work for a live audience. Send an email anytime to sally at sallypal.com. Your ideas keep great conversations coming every Monday evening. Check out sallypal.com join for the free 20-page theater resource. Next week, those of you who have already signed up for the free resources will get the scheduling info we're going over today. It's never too late to sign up, but you may not get access to the first insert after February 15th. I'm interested in knowing what creators need as a performing arts resource. Do you need more information about venues? Do you want to know how to put butts in seats on the cheap? Would you like to connect with other creators? Do you need more practical tips? Do you want to know how to manage the imposter syndrome most of us deal with? If there are things you want included in the Creator's Notebook, let me know by sending an email to sally at sallypal.com. I read them all. Not kidding. I really do read them all. <laughs> in this episode, Emily and Beck and I will go over the basics of scheduling. Because we have theater backgrounds, a lot of our information relates to plays. Be sure and listen until the end of the interview for concise advice from the interview and words of wisdom from George. Let's get started. Every day I gotta stop for a minute Think about how good my life is with you in it Every day I wanna stop and think about you because there's a dog in my lap. So. And there's another dog on the floor, and there's a dog in the seat next to me. So I will try to project um, and try to make myself sound as different from my mother as I can. Right. That was Emily. This is Sally. Beck? What? Beck's on the other side of the room. I'm hoping he'll come over here to talk to the microphone occasionally. Okay, let's talk about scheduling, Emily. Okay. So here's the thing. A lot of people think when they do their calendar for a show, this is not everybody, but many people will start their schedule by setting the date for performance and then going to the beginning. Mm -mm. Why not? Because if you set a date for the performance and then go to the beginning, what you're going to end up doing is starting the schedule without a clear plan of how many rehearsals you're going to need. And you may end up overshooting or undershooting and ending up either with a play that is over-rehearsed or a play that is not ready to go on stage. Do you schedule by the number of rehearsals you're going to need or by the hours of rehearsal that you need? I schedule by the number of rehearsals that I'm going to need. Okay, because I schedule by hours. Since I work with a lot of different age groups, I find that some age groups you 
you lose them after an hour yes, and a half. Yes, and I work with largely adults. Right. So with adults, you can figure on generally a two and a half to a three hour rehearsal period, mm -hmm. sometimes four if it's... I generally bank for about three hours. It's going to start at seven o'clock. Yeah. It's typically going to go until 10. But because I work with adults, I can give myself a three hour block knowing that we're probably not going to fill the whole three hour <laughs> block. And then you get that great thing of, oh, we're done early. You guys can leave early. And people you, love that. Yeah, but if you, somebody shows up late... Oh yeah. No, 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 no. If you no, show no, up no. on time, you better be ready to hit the ground if running. If you are early, you're on time. And if you're on time, you're late. That is an old theater adage and it holds very true. Okay, so you're going to start with the data performance. Now, there are a couple of things that are involved in selecting your data performance. One is the availability of the work being performed. Is it finished? Mm -hmm. Because if you're working on an original piece, which is what we focus on on this show, then you're dependent on the creator. Yeah. Say something about that as a playwright, because you've directed your own piece before, I think, haven't you? I put I Wish You Actually Liked Me out there for Fringe. That has to be put out there fairly early for Fringe. And I put it out there as an idea that I had. I was like, I'm You didn't have this. a play, did you? I didn't have a play when I first <laughs> submitted it, which was a big mistake. Do yeah. not be like me. But I submitted it as an idea, and then the guy who was running it told me, Okay, you can do this. I know you don't have it written. I like this idea. We gotta get this gosh darn thing written. <laughs> I said, all right. So I did it and I made sure that I gave myself, when you're in a festival, you're given a set block of time when you have to perform it. So they tell you. So they told me when I would have the space and I gave myself two months out of that that I had to have it written. Wow, so you gave yourself two months of rehearsal time. Mm -hmm. Okay, you got the draft finished. Do you find that you're treating rehearsals as a workshop? Uh, yes and no. I try not to treat rehearsals as a workshop because I don't like appearing like I'm not prepared. Like, I think if you show your actors that you're not prepared, they're not going to take you as seriously and they're not going to be as invested in getting the work finished. But if something doesn't feel right, tell me. This is my work and I can change it as much as I need to. Yeah, so you didn't have to worry about saying you have to speak every word as written. You actually treated the script as... Malleable. But you still wanted the actors to speak the words as I, written. Yes, I still wanted them to speak the words as written from the get-go, but if it doesn't feel like it's real, if I'm watching it and it doesn't look real, it'll change. I told them also at the beginning of the rehearsal process, this script is going to change by the time it's over. Not, not as so much that you're going to have to be worried about it, but enough that it's going to be you truly originating this role. And let me say something really quick for anyone who's listening to this show who has directed a play of mine. They always invite me to go to rehearsals when they're, direct, when they're directing a play of mine, and I never go. So you don't sit in on the process if it's... If someone else is directing it and I'm not in it, I do not sit on the process. I'm not involved. I'm not looking at it, and I'm, I want to apologize to anyone who has been very excited to have me come to rehearsals and then not have me come to any. It's just because I know myself, and I know that I will start trying to direct it, and I don't want that. I want the director to feel like they have their own vision of this script. Because then when you go see it, you I'm actually... I'm surprised. Yeah. I'm surprised every time. Yeah. Which is nice. Which is Which cool. Is nice. Yeah. Okay, the other reason, and if you all think of more, then email me them, and we'll include those as well. But the other reason that the date of performance might be different than what your dream is, is the availability of the venue. Mm -hmm. As Emily said, when you're in a festival like Fringe or Summer Stage or something like that, then they have set dates. They're going to give you a date. Yeah, yeah, and you perform on that date. There's just no... Yeah, it's typically a weekend. No like, they'll give you, like, three days for a festival. You're not going to get 
multiple weeks in a festival almost ever. Right. You might even have problems with the venue availability because other theater companies are using the venue. Mm -hmm. So you just, it's like booking a wedding venue. It really is like booking a wedding venue, yeah. (laughs) And honestly, even big cities, it can be difficult to find a venue, and we'll actually do an episode about that. Okay, so now we know that our date is set for performance. Now we need to look backwards from that. And this is the part where working backwards is really important because you schedule something called Tech Week, which you Mm -hmm. refer to as... Hell Week. Hell Week. And there's a good reason for that. Can I say that? Yes, you can say Hell Week. Hell Week. No! (laughs) (laughs) Working backwards in Hell Week starts with IDR, Mm -hmm. which stands for... Invitational dress rehearsal. Right. And invitational dress rehearsal is... It feels like a quiz. <laughs> like, I'm in, like I'm in my theater final. Uh, bing. <laughs> All right, Emily, you have three seconds to answer the next oh, question. Sh- <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> I have to be who I am. You're working backwards. So invitational dress rehearsal is that night before you open your show. And that's when you bring in friends and family, people that you know um, are going to be supportive of the work. And people who are going to review the work. Right. But you don't necessarily want to invite people who will pay to see the work because that's a free performance. Invitational dress rehearsal is usually included in your insurance writer as something you can do with a limited audience. Typically about 20 people. Right. Maybe less. Well, it's up to 99 in some theaters. Yeah, if if it's a big theater, it can be... I'm used to working in small theaters. Right. So what happens is you have a night where you can have people come and watch the show and get a feel for, this is especially important for comedy, where the laughs are. Where to pause for laughs. Right, because pausing for laughter... That takes some practice, and the only way to get that is to do it. That'll count as one of your run-throughs. You're going to want to have three to four run-throughs in that week. Of the entire show. Of the entire yeah. show, right. And that includes if it's a choral work, if it's an opera, if it's a, a dance piece. And these are going to be like six-hour rehearsals. They're going to be big, big rehearsals. Because you'll have some stops and starts, and not always for performance aspects that have to do with the actors or the performers, but for technical things. And maybe you'll stop because you have to fix a light cue or... Beckett might have something to say on this particular subject. Yes. I have not done a ton of community theater, but I have been involved heavily in college theater. And we had the same kind of hell week every show. We would have usually four or five performances. And then the week before, we would have a dry tech which is no actors, but all of the light and sound, etc. cues in order to fix any problems before the actors show up. Then the Sunday before, we have first tech, which usually takes up to like eight hours to first fix all of the... First tech is so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my school was very unusual in that we also did costumes at first tech all the way through final dress. We would have... Two techs, two dress. I don't think we had an invitational dress rehearsal. And you don't, and, al- and you don't always. It kind of right. depends on what your insurance will allow, and also whether or not you want that practice with an audience. Because if you're not doing right. something that's strictly comedy, you may not feel like you need it. So that's the week. You have your run-throughs. You have your invitational dress rehearsal. You have a final dress, of course. Before that, you might have what's called a final tech. And there's also a thing called a Q to Q. We use the letter Q, number two, letter Q, but it actually stands for the word C-U-E, then T-O-C-U-E. And it means going from one Q 
Light one, cue, sound light, cue. Light, sound, sound projections, cue, whatever. Yeah. yeah. One cue to the next cue. If you go a long period of time, like you have one or two pages where there are no cues, which is fairly common. Yeah. yeah, you skip those pages. The actors speak their lines that lead up to the cue. They do the cue. Then they go straight to the next cue and speak the lines that lead up to that. And they may be skipping paragraphs of dialogue. Makes for a shorter night. No, I'm just thinking of Fever Dream and our cue to cue that lasted 10 minutes. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was lights on. Lights off. Lights off. Lights on. Lights off. Exit. Enter. Lights off. <laughs> there's, there's one exit in the middle of the show mm -hmm. and then everyone exits and that's it. Done. Yeah. <laughs> I did a show called Iliad, Odyssey, and All oh, Greek Mythology, Mythology in 99, 99 Minutes or Less. less. Yep. And we ended up building about, I don't know, 300 and something cues into that show. It was big. Yeah. It was cool, but it was big. And we had projections, and we had a working television monitor, and we had all kinds of stuff going on. And I had an eighth grader as the stage manager. Oh, Lord. And he didn't have much experience. But after a while, he started to realize, oh, this is not going to be easy. And it was very stressful because he's he's a kid, but he luckily is a brilliant kid. He's in college now, who ended up doing just such a phenomenal job. I've never had that many cues in a show ever, so it was. Uh, I had high high hopes. I think putting that many cues in, but it was a fast paced show. Tons of changes. It just needed to go that way. For comparison to Broadway musicals, Hamilton has, I believe, 849 light cues alone. Well, the upside of working in that venue is that they're computerized. Yes. And yes. so, so this you may is, have a, yeah. a, a cascade of, of light cues that right. just cue one string. Your tech week is called Hell Week. For the very reason we've been saying, there are you're going to be at the these... theater for like six hours. Mm -hmm. you, and I've already been with these people for so long. You're going to have to repeat the same scenes over and over and over. You're trying to get used to weird costumes. You're trying to figure out how you forgot this scene. You knew it last week, <laughs> right? You're, it's just it's no you... fun for anyone, and it is when you are going to figure out if you will be friends after the show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> If you're a stage manager, you're going to be the first one to get there, the last to leave. If you're in costume crew, you're going to be the next person to get there and, and the, the next to last person to leave. Photo calls. Some productions will do a photo call, which is after a dress rehearsal. Usually one of the last dress rehearsals in case there's a costume change. And what you do is you run through major scenes of the show and a photographer is there to take photos to use in promotion. Yeah, and you definitely want to do that then to memorialize the show, and you might want to have a photo call just as soon as you have costumes, so that could even happen right. earlier weeks, so that you have that for... As a costumer, I say later is better, because uh, costumes are not always photo-ready. But as, as a marketer, as a director, I say right, earlier true. is better, because you can put that stuff out there sooner. Right, as a marketer, you definitely want to have that available to promote the show and put those butts in those seats, right? Yeah. Ideally, your costumes are done well before Hell Week, but no, I don't think I've ever been in a show where all the costumes are done before unless Hell was, Week. Unless it was modern. Well, that's true. That's yeah. true. That's the one time. The only thing that is set in stone at this point on your calendar are your performance date and your tech week. Everything else is a little bit mushy. And I'm going to give you a useful formula. And like Emily pointed out, her formula is slightly different because mm -hmm. she goes by rehearsal numbers and I go by a number of hours. 
so that you could rehearse one night for an hour and a half and another night for three hours, and it wouldn't count as two rehearsals. It would count as four and a half hours. For my formula, if you're doing a full musical, you're gonna want 60 to 80 hours of rehearsal time. That doesn't include production meetings, that doesn't include director preparation time, that doesn't include set design meetings or any of that stuff. That does include tech week? That does include tech week, however. Then for a straight play, 30 to 40 hours. For a one act, 20 to 30 hours. And if you're in a band or you are preparing for an improv show, you wanna rehearse one to two times a week until you have at least one 45 minute set. All of those are a little bit mushy, but it's a pretty useful formula when you're starting out. Like I said, those hours are not necessarily set in stone because it depends on your performer's experience, the length of the script, the time between rehearsals, because there's recidivism. I mean, sometimes you have a break in your rehearsal period of a week and people come back and they can't even remember their first line. And that takes me to another thing that you wanna include in your schedule, and that is an off book by date. Yep. Now there are people who will tell you that off book date is a lie. <laughs> You want to be the director who sticks to your guns because actors will be very squirrely. I suppose this goes for any kind of performer. If you don't stick to your guns on the time that everyone needs to be off book. How can I explain off book? What's the best way to describe off book? Off book is when you have, when the actor has all of their lines memorized and all of their blocking memorized. So they can come in without having the script. Now, they don't have to have it to perfection because someone like a stage manager or some kind of assistant. Always, you can always call a line, but you need to not have your script with you anymore. My rule is that if you come in on off book day with your script, I will take it from you. Yes. You do not get a script on off book. Right. And here's the thing. People who are on book for your actors will sometimes want to do is they think they're being helpful when they speak the line for the actor. Mm -hmm. You're not being helpful because that just makes the actor rely on you instead of on the script. Yeah. If it's not your line, don't say it. Right. Let there be a squirmy silence. While use the actor shame. figures out. Use shame to learn. <laughs> well, I don't want to call it shaming necessarily. I, I want to call it shaming. <laughs> actors better learn their lines by that off book day. Yeah, so if you have an off book day and your actors are not off book, you let them figure out, I don't know this line, and then I don't know this line, and I don't know this line, and they'll be sufficiently ashamed to go home and study their lines. Hopefully. When I'm a stage manager, with my director's permission, of course, I like to mark which lines an actor calls line for in those later rehearsals and then tell them the lines at the end of rehearsal notes. That's what that's notes. what it's called, notes. <laughs> I like to tell them those lines so they can make a note of it and they must make a note of it in front of me. And sometimes I also keep a running tally of how many times they call lines. I keep a tally, I always keep a tally of how many times actors call lines and I tell them during notes. I say, Blah blah, you called line 50 times. Blah blah, you called line 42 times. Blah blah, you called line 13 times. In terms of scheduling, you want to make that as early as possible. When would you schedule an off book date? My formula is different from my mom's formula. Mine is based around how many rehearsals you want to have total, and that's broken down by scene. I have one rehearsal typically per scene. And that's gonna go, like I said, two and a half to three hours because I'm gonna be doing the blocking and we're gonna be just running it until that time is up. I go from act one, scene one to the very end of the show. I do them all in order. At the end of blocking all the act one scenes, 
the last rehearsal for Act 1, uh, typically two weeks into the rehearsal process, um, sometimes less, sometimes more, is going to be the Act 1 run, and that's off book date, always. Okay, that's so that's one. one to two weeks ahead of time? When is I mean, that? That's one, that's one to two weeks into rehearsals. Okay, so you're off book pretty early. I'm off, I get them off book quick. Okay. Now, I do something similar to Emily when I'm working with adults only, is I, yes, I and, do work scene by scene. That's to say... Most of the people I work with are adults. Mom works with a lot of kids. Right. The most recent shows that she was directing, she was doing with a lot of kids. and I do, Or a mix of kids and adults. Or a mix of kids and adults. What I do largely is, is adults. Right. So in mine, when I do scene by scene, Emily does them all in order, and that helps with retention of the script and the story. What I might do that slightly alters is if I have a scene that I think is going to be particularly difficult, I might put that one early in the rehearsal process so that we can hit that one hard and early. That's especially true with musicals. If you have a big honking musical number with yes. dancing and everything, you got to get those really you've got to introduce those to your actors way in advance of anything else because those are the parts of your show that are going to require the most work so you're going to have to keep going back to those yeah so you don't always put them in order what about you Beck? i have been in productions involved in productions where you would block a scene one day and then the next day you run the scene and you're expected to be off, off book for that scene the next the next time you rehearse and that. Those are all the set in stone things. You have to have an off book date. You need to have your performance date set far in advance, obviously. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be rehearsing toward a malleable date. Uh, your tech week is tied into your performance date. You know you're going to have your run throughs and your final dress and all of that. As far as working the rest of the schedule, at your auditions, which they need to be far enough in advance to give you this time. Sometimes that means you audition like uh, repertory companies several weeks before the season, and then you have people cast in shows that they won't even start rehearsals for for another two, three, four months. Mm -hmm. That's the time to ask your performers what their availability is. And you need to find out the availability of actors before building the schedule because you need to know for sure if there are dates that they absolutely won't be available. Once they say, I'm available on these dates, they are available on those dates and God help them if they are not. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be something like, you know... Uh, someone better be dying. Yeah, right. So, and that, you know, sadly and that does happen. Yeah, sometimes someone is dying, in which case you need to be kind to them. Right. <laughs> and if they find that there is something, some exigent circumstances like work is requiring that they go out of town for a couple of days, as soon as they know, they need to communicate that with you. And in some cases, it may be a deal breaker. Like, they may be missing the final dress and that's just doesn't Not work you yeah. certainly you can't miss performances uh, that's a person that will need to be replaced and and there's nothing wrong with that and there should be no bad feelings about it if that's your schedule and you can't make it work so you can be in the show that's just how it is you have to wait for the next show to come around by the way production team is your crew leadership you want to build production team meetings into the schedule and make sure you highlight for the actors that these are meetings at which the actors will not be present. Do not want them there. You do not want the actors at your production meetings. They, they, unless they're actually on the production team. As a creator and as a director, a big part of scheduling has to do with your vision and knowing what you're going to need. If you know that you won't have much of a set, then you need to make sure that you build that into your rehearsal schedule in terms of blocking, in terms of time for your tech rehearsals and all of that. 
that means as a director, you have to have a vision for the piece before you start and create that and make that clear and then share that with your team. Everybody has to be on board with you. And the best way to do that is to be over communicative. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't be a Lone Ranger when you're on a production team. You just can't. Yeah, no. and you're a Lone Ranger who am, has learned how not to be. I am a Lone Ranger who's had to learn how to not be a Lone Ranger because that was my big problem when I started directing shows was I wanted to do everything myself, and that is just a really good recipe to get burnt out. Mm -hmm. you got to find people who you trust. You need to find people who you know can do the work well, and then you have to kind of fling yourself into the abyss yeah. and <laughs> tell them what's going on and tell them what you need and say, and now that's your job and I'm not thinking about it anymore. <laughs> good luck! Good luck! <laughs> and when you're the stage manager, you have to keep track of what everyone is in charge of doing and then make sure they do it. Yeah, that is so true. Because once the, you've got that calendar and you know this has to be done by this date, stage it's not the director who's mm -hmm. yelling it's at the, the actors, manager. it's the stage manager mm -hmm. saying, you're supposed to be off book. I'm not even just talking about actors I'm talking about production team like yep. the set designer says I'm gonna have the designs done uh, on Tuesday the stage manager is gonna come to them Monday night and say are you ready yeah are they done are no, not you yet. ready <laughs> so when you are finding your stage manager you need to make sure that you find someone who is okay with not being liked definitely okay with that <laughs> And you definitely want the stage manager to be someone who can manage those organizational yes. tasks. Mm -hmm. So that's really important. And somebody who's diplomatic. Yes. You know, to you a point. You can't have a snotty stage manager. It's not going to work. Like, a lot of people think stage managers have to be jerks. That's not true. No, stage managers don't have to be jerks, but they do have to be... No-nonsense. On the, on the, No-nonsense, that's good. They do have to be no-nonsense and making sure that stuff gets done. Yeah. They don't have time for nonsense! We are best friends, but we will not be best friends again until, until the show is over. I like you, you like me, but we are not gonna be best friends. Final piece of scheduling advice. Final piece of scheduling advice, build in to be announced dates. I build in at least three TBA dates. Like my schedule is generally two weeks for act one, two weeks for act two, a week of TBA, a week of hell, and then the show. TBA dates are there for you need to mark which scenes or which bits are not working and which need to be looked at even harder and use those TBA dates for that. Advice for scheduling, go. Advice for scheduling, get it on the books and try to stick to it as much as you can. Get in the space as soon as you can and just make sure your stage manager can stick to the schedule and keep go. everyone okay. on it. Perfect. And my advice would be understand that Mondays are dark days in theaters and also that you're going to have days when you think you don't have a rehearsal space. Those days are not days to cancel rehearsal. They're days that you go to somebody's house and run lines. I, I cannot count how many times we did rehearsals in our living room. Right. You've <laughs> got to be willing to rehearse anywhere because you will sometimes not have that rehearsal space available because a wedding party scheduled something there. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that's it for scheduling advice. You guys, thanks. That was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to do it. This is the first I've been on this podcast. I know. Ha ha. But it was fun. Yeah. It's time now for concise advice from the interview. A short version of tips from the creator's notebook, insert number two, scheduling your show. Get up.
Here are seven important bits of advice. Number seven, plan for long hours during the week of performance, also known as Tech Week or Hell Week. Number six, get a schedule on the books and stick to it. Number five, build at least three to be announced dates or TBA dates into the schedule. Number four, get into the performance space as soon as you can. Number three, get a reliable stage manager who can hold people accountable to the schedule. Number two, Mondays are dark days, which means the theater rehearsal space will generally be closed. And the number one piece of advice from the Creator's Notebook Insert Number Two Scheduling Your Show Days you don't have a rehearsal space are days you rehearse in an alternate space. That's it for concise advice from the interview. Check out the blog sallypal.com for articles and podcast episodes. You can be part of the momentum that's building. Sign up for a free creator's notebook insert at sallypal.com slash join. Thank you all for following, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, joining, and thank you for listening. I want you to pursue your dream to have your work on the stage in front of a live audience. It can be scary, but Sally Pal is here with resources, encouragement, and a growing community of people like us. I'm Sally, and this is Sally Pal. The P-A-L in PAL stands for Performing Arts Lab. Now, I have one bit of wisdom from my husband, George, the coolest guy on the planet. George, what's your wisdom for today? People are friendlier than you think they'll be, and children know more than you think they do. Well said, George. Well said. Excellent wisdom indeed. If you're downloading and listening on your drive to work or falling asleep to my Moriarty-like machinations, like my sister does, let me know you're out there. I want to help you create original shows for a live audience. All the performances you've seen on stage once lived only in someone's imagination. Now, go schedule some rehearsals. host Sally Adams. Every week I talk to people. I talk to people. Animals. I'll talk to animals. I'll talk to anyone. (laughs) I'm sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) I'm interested in knowing what creators need as
This Laurel and Hardy Handshake. I gotta stop doing that. No. <laughs> okay, this is a clean show, by the way. I'm gonna e swear more. I know. I'm excellent peripheral vision. I hate you all. <laughs> Dust! Storm! Dusty, dusty, dusty wind! wind.